0: Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. As we pursue Christ and knowing Christ and growing in spiritual maturity, I want you to be aware that that is a journey. And along the way of this journey of spiritual maturity in Christ, there are dead ends and detours that we need to be aware of And we need to avoid. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever taken a detour and ended up disappointed and frustrated? I know I have. Uh, It seems like you can't go far and there's always road construction somewhere. Uh, I remember a few years ago, Nancy and I, she uh, got to go with me to Kansas City once. I was in seminary and there was a conference, a two-day conference. And she went with me and I was really, really excited. And going there, no problem. Coming home was a different story. We were almost in St. Louis. And all of a sudden, the traffic slowed down. You know what I'm talking about. And you're just crawling along. And you're like, what is going on? Is there a bad wreck? Uh, You know, what's going on? And then very quickly, we saw detour signs. And they were doing some major construction overhaul. And it was right near this huge huge shopping area and traffic was just completely backed up and then when you got up there to where the shopping mall was you're like boy that looks like a nice place I'd love to go there but we'd never get out of here so you just keep on creeping along and you know a detour can be fun but the problem with detours is uh, many times they're annoying they route you to take an an unplanned trip Uh, You go in an unintended direction, and the longer the detour, the further you have to go out of the way to finally get to where you're going. And everybody knows what a dead end is. When you get to a dead end street, that's the end of the road. You can't go any further. Uh, It's a roadblock. Dead ends don't lead anywhere. They just stop, and the only solution is to turn around and go back to wherever you came from because you can't move forward on a dead end street. Well, that got me to thinking. <clears throat> Have you ever seen someone get off track in their relationship with God? It happens. People can get off track in their relationship with God. Unfortunately, it's kind of common. You know, uh, all of a sudden you don't go, come to church one Sunday, and then the next week something happens and uh, it's an emergency and you you don't come. And the next thing you know, you get out of the habit of coming. Or what about you're reading your Bible and you're praying? And then all of a sudden, something happens in your life between you and something else, and you're so frustrated that when you try to pray, you just can't. You read your Bible, you don't get anything out of it, and the next thing you you know, you go a week without reading your Bible, two weeks, and all of a sudden, you're like, man, what is going on in my life? In other words, people can get stuck. They can get off track in their relationship with God. Here's what I want to talk to you about today is when, whenever we get off track, we're tempted to reach, to overreach, and to grab whatever looks good and sounds good at the time to make us feel better so we can feel like everything's okay and we don't have to deal with anything that we don't want to. That's when it's most dangerous uh, when it comes to detours and dead ends in this journey of spiritual maturity, and I want to point them out to you. Look, if you will, in Colossians chapter 2. And we'll begin in verse 3. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. In him, referring to Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. For I may be absent in body, Paul writes, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. We'll stop right there. Everything we need to mature in Christ is found in Jesus. He is the source of of all these treasures of wisdom and knowledge so that we can know God and experience Him. Matter of fact, Second Peter chapter 1, here's a Bible verse for you just to be aware of. Second Peter 1 verse 3 and 4, Peter the fisherman who was saved by Jesus says, "...God's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness." And by these, he's given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that's in the world because of evil desires. And so Peter, he learned, hey... I may not have what it takes, but if I have Christ in my life, He's given me everything I need to grow up in Him and to be the person that He's called me to be and cr- created me to be and saved me to be. And so God, Jesus has given me everything I need. Um, not only that, but our destination on the Christian life is to follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, guess what? We become more and more like Jesus, and people will see Jesus in our lives and through our lives. We're become more like Jesus. We are to continue to live in Him. It says there in Colossians two: six, "Just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, being rooted." and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. It is a lifetime construction project for you and I to to follow Jesus because we're becoming more and more like Him every day that we know Him, love Him, and follow Him. With that said, um, the Bible also says this, 1 John 2.6, The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. In other words, if you say you know Christ, then your life should look just like his. Now, that's great, but what happens as we pursue that pathway? What happens as we pursue this life of I'm going to focus on Jesus, I'm going to love him, I'm going to follow him, and by his grace I'm going to look more and more like Jesus every day? There are dangerous detours along the way, that people sometimes fall into. Paul is aware of that. He says in Colossians 2, 4, I'm saying what I'm saying to you so that nobody will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. Now, I like the way he said that because go all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. God told Adam, don't eat of that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam passed that information on to Eve. And then one day, Eve is in the garden, and the devil is in the serpent, and he begins to talk to her and reason with her, and ultimately he deceives her, correct? You and I can be minding our own business, and we can be walking with God, and we can encounter conversations and experiences where we hear new arguments and new things and they may sound reasonable, but please make sure that you evaluate everything according to God's word. There in Colossians 2.8, he begins to warn us of all the things that we need to be aware of and avoid. Colossians 2, eight: be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ. The first thing we got to be aware of is philosophy. Now, I remember taking philosophy as a, I guess it was a freshman in college. The class was on a Tuesday, Thursday around 11 o'clock, Brother Don, and the very first day, very first class of that semester of philosophy, we show up, the bell rings, the professor is in front of the class, and his first statement is What is hunger? And no matter what we said, he answered our, our, our answer with another question. And no matter what we said, he asked another question. And he just kept asking questions. And the whole time I'm thinking, I don't know where this is going, but as speaking of hunger, it's getting close to lunch and I was ready 30 minutes ago. Uh, philosophy can be full of questions. It helps you to understand why do you do that, and why do you believe this? Why, why, why? You remember growing up as a kid, we all go through that phase and that stage where you go, why, 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 why? Hey, we're going to go over here. Why? Because of this. Well, why? Well, we're, 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 we're going to do this today. Well, why, 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 why? Philosophy helps us answer the question why, but make sure your why comes from God's word. Okay, just make sure it comes from God's Word. Because here's the thing, philosophy is good at helping us ask the question why, but so many times it's based on observation and not revelation. There is a difference. Observation is everything that you see and you hear, you touch, taste, smell, all of that stuff. That, that's fine. But revelation is what God has revealed to us in and through His Word. And there is a difference. We live by faith, not by sight. And so when it comes to following Christ, there will be times that God commands you to do something written in his word, and it may not make sense. And you may go, I don't know why I'm doing this, other than God's word says it. That's enough. But don't get caught up in this trap of philosophy. Sometimes people do and they stroke their goatees like me, and they want to sound sophisticated and spiritual. But let me tell you something. Paul's already said that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why would you go anywhere else? A second thing he wants us to be aware of and avoid is tradition. Notice he says, "...see that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition." I know you've heard this. I've heard this about the, uh, the woman that would always uh, bake a ham in the oven. She would always cut it in half, right? And then she would put it in the oven. And one day her grandmother said, Hey, Grandma, why do you cut that ham in half? Well, I don't know. That's how my mom did it. That's how her mom did it. So one day she gets on the phone. Her, gran- her grandmother is still alive. And she goes, Grandma, why didn't you cut the, the ham in half? And she goes, Well, that's easy. My grandmother had a small stove, and we had to cut it in half to make it fit. You know, traditions. Why do we do what we do? Well, because we've always done it that way before, right? I mean, nobody thinks about it. Now, tradition can be good, and it can be bad, but if we don't know why we do what we do, you can see the link between philosophy and tradition. But tradition is always doing the same old thing. You know, years ago, the fiddler on the roof was in town and I went to the performance, you know, and they're going through the the Fiddler on the Roof production. Tradition, tradition, right? And, And I think of that every time I look at this tradition. When it comes to following Christ, sometimes we settle for tradition. Well, I still pray before meals, and I still come to church, you know, every once in a while. I'm okay, that's enough God in my life. Well, it's like Brother Danny said, he wants to be the whole enchilada. And so don't don't let tradition become a replacement for your personal walk with Christ and your growth in spiritual maturity. Don't do that. Some do. Then there's another danger he talks about, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. In other words, worldliness. Worldliness is another uh, thread out there that you need to be aware of and avoid when it comes to pursuing a path of spiritual maturity in Christ. Worldliness basically waves a white flag and realizes how different we are from the world. And worldliness says, well, why can't we do that? Remember Israel, when they wanted to be like all the other nations, they wanted a king too. God was their king, but they wanted a man for a king and they became worldly. You and I sometimes, we can get caught up with the things of the world. You know, when it comes to worldliness, the struggle is real. I'm reminded of Lot in the Bible. You remember Lot, Abraham's nephew? Lot, um, Lot went with Abraham. When God called Abraham, go to this land I'll show you. Uh, Lot was along for the ride because he didn't have another father figure in his life. Abraham was basically had custody of him and took care of him. And so Lot was with them, and off they went. And then when they got to the land that God would show them, there was a famine in the land. And instead of Abraham praying, he made a misstep and a mistake. Instead of seeking God, God, I'm here. This is where you put me, but I don't understand the famine. What do I do now? No, he immediately looked around and said, there's food in Egypt. And Abraham and Sarah and Lot went down to Egypt. And after that, Lot was never the same. If you look at Lot's life after that, he went to Egypt and he saw the glitz and the glamour and the things of this world and it, it was like a bug. It just got inside of him. And from that day forward, he began to live more by what he saw than by faith. Now, we know that Lot was a believer because Second Peter uh, refers to it, how he was a righteous man. But boy, did Lot struggle with worldliness. Don't let that be something that overtakes you. Let's go on. He says, "...for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ." In other words, Christ is the Son of God, and He is God. He claims to be that. "...and you have been filled by Him, who is the head over every ruler and authority, and you were also circumcised in Him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh." In the circumcision of Christ, when you were buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were made uh, dead in your trespasses and in uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and he's taken away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them. That's what Christ has done for us. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you. In regard to food and drink, or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, they are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is Christ. Now, what is he saying? Don't let anybody judge you according to diets and according to days. Because when you read the Old Testament law... there were certain things that were clean, certain things that were unclean. Or as we say today, there's some things that were kosher and some things that were not kosher. When it came to certain days, certain days were sacred days and special days that might require them to do something a little bit different because of the significance of it. But now, he says, Paul says... All of that is shadows of of a coming attraction. And the coming attraction is Jesus. And he is the substance. He is the fulfillment of all that stuff. So the most important thing now is Jesus. And so don't exchange legalism for a personal spiritual maturity journey in Jesus Christ. Sometimes people get hung up on legalism. Paul would say it's having a form of godliness but denying the power. It's so easy, and it's very tempting to say, you know, it, it's, it's all black and white, so we're going to make it black and white, and it's either this or it's that. You know what? We live in a fallen world. Now, I believe in absolute truth, absolutely, just so you know. I believe in it absolutely. But we live in a fallen world, and we look around, and everything is various hues and shades of gray. How do we take God's Word and deliver that truth to people right where they are so they can respond to the truth and be saved? How can we teach the truth in such a way that people can can follow Christ and grow deeper in their walk with God? Uh, We've got to make sure that we give them the Spirit and not just the letter of the law. There's a place for both. You know, Paul told Timothy to stay there in Ephesus and teach Teach uh, p- certain people not to teach false doctrine. And if you keep reading it, there were people that wanted to be teachers of the law. And yet, Paul tells Timothy the purpose of the law is not for the saints, the purpose of the law is for sinners. See, here's the thing the law tells you that you're wrong, the law tells you that you're a sinner. The law is this standard ruler that stands up and says, Come over here, you don't measure up. The law does that the law is the doctor that walks into the room and gives you a diagnosis and says here's the problem let me show you the test results here's the lab report this is what you've got that's what the law does and that's all it can do the law can't help you it can only tell you what's wrong but the gospel steps in and says the law condemns you as a sinner but i've got good news Jesus Christ came, He lived, He died, He rose again to save you. And guess what? He fulfilled all the law, even the law that you broke. You see the point there? And so make sure you use the law lawfully. So many times people get caught up in legalism and they use the law as a club to whop people over the head. Don't, don't, don't get so uncomfortable in your walk with Christ of living by faith and not by sight that you go legalistic, okay? It's very easy to do. And Paul is saying that is a detour, that is a dead end. It's not going to get you where you need to go in your relationship with Christ. There's something else. Look in verse 18. Let no one condemn you by delighting in aesthetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm such people are inflated by empty notions of their unspiritual mind. Aestheticism, uh, that's a little technical word there. It's where uh, people begin to uh, punish themselves and deny themselves in order to become more spiritual. Uh, People that that are dogmatic about you have to pray three times a day. Uh, You can't eat certain foods because they're not kosher. They begin to put in these certain practices that sound spiritual, that look religious, and you're denying yourself. But if you're just dealing with the outside behaviors and not dealing with the real issue, which is the heart, that doesn't really help you. Also, the other thing he mentions is mysticism. Probably 20 years ago, me and a pastor friend of mine and another friend went to a conference in Florida. Florida. And all in all, it was a pretty good conference. We went there hoping for certain things to learn and and to, you know, to, to, to take some tools with us back home. And all of it was good except for this one session. We went to this one session and uh, they wanted to, I know what they wanted to do. They wanted to be creative. They wanted to have something unique, but they went way too far. They had this lady come in and And she had this statue, an angel, and then she had this easel, and she started drawing angels and played soothing music and talked about how this is a a ministry and how the angel helps people, and sometimes it's healed people. And me and my pastor friend are going... And I immediately thought of this verse in Colossians where it says that some people practice the worship of angels and they claim access to another realm and they're inflated by empty notions of their unspiritual mind. Mysticism. I get it that God is transcendent. He's above all. And I get it that God is imminent. He's so close that we can have that personal relationship with Him. But when we begin to separate spiritual from Christian, and just sort of let our imaginations flow, that is getting away from the Word of God. That is getting away from our anchor in Jesus Christ. Another detour, another dead-end street that will not help you in your spiritual growth with Jesus Christ. And then, of course, go on down, if you will, to verse 20. If you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. They're human commands and doctrines. Although they have a reputation for wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. Did you catch that term self-made religion there in verse 23. That's the last one that we need to be aware of. Brother Danny had a great uh, illustration of it this morning. It's almost like treating God as a buffet. And you walk in and say, God, I want a little bit of this, and I want a little bit of that, but I don't want any of that right there. You can't pick and choose what you want in the Bible. You can't pick and choose what you want to do from Jesus Christ and what you don't want to do when you follow Him. When you sign up to to trust and follow Jesus, you say, Lord, I trust you and I'm going to follow you wherever you lead, wherever you go, whatever you do, period. You can't just come up with ideas from different places and say, I'll just have my own religion. It doesn't work that way. It's a detour. It's a dead-end street. So bottom line, how do we avoid these dangerous detours and these dead ends toward our destination. Number one, develop a growth mindset as a follower of Jesus. Develop a growth mindset. Go back there to verse 6, Colossians 2, 6. Just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. Now, look at these words and catch the pictures. Being rooted... Remember the last time you had to plant a flower or a tree? It's an, um, it's a, um, uh, oh, I don't have a green thumb. What are the people that plant things in the ground? Not the the archaeologist, not the architect, but the, uh, what now? Yeah, there you go. I can't say that word, but that's it. And so they're, they're rooted, they're, they're, they're digging the hole and they're getting that plant's root system into the ground. That's what they focus on. If they get that right and they provide the right conditions and give the plant everything that it needs, what's it going to do? It's going to grow. And so he says, if you're going to continue in Christ, then realize that you're rooted in Him. But not only are you rooted in Him, It says that you are built up in him and established in the faith. There's the architect, the one that has the blueprint, the plan. We're going to build a building that's going to look like this, this, that, and the other. And they have all those blueprints, all those plans. And if you watch these... Home improvement shows, you know, they'll, they'll sit down on their computer and they'll show a prospective customer, here's what we're going to make your house into, this is what it's going to look like, and it's just a vivid, beautiful description, right? Well, here in Christ, not only are we rooted in Him, we are built up and established in the faith. And then one more word picture, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. Overflowing with gratitude. You ever see people sometimes, they just feel like they they have this closeness to God. They just feel like their focus is just so... So focused on on God, and here they are they got a smile uh, on their face, they got a spring in their step, they got a joy in their heart they're overflowing with gratitude their relationship with God is almost contagious because you can sense the joy and the love and the excitement that they have in their life. Well guess what that's what Christ wants for us. Continue to live in him why because you're rooted. You're built up, you're established, and you're overflowing. When you have Christ, you have everything you need to grow up into him and to follow him for a lifetime. You don't need anything else. You don't need to look anywhere else. Keep your eyes straight ahead on Jesus. Ignore the detours. Don't even think about the dead ends. Just keep following Jesus. If you're going to do that, you've got to develop a growth mindset as a follower of Jesus. What do I mean by a growth mindset? A growth mindset says, I'm not there yet, but I'm depending on God every day. I met a man years ago in church, and he said, well, I'm just not a super Christian. That was his line. Well, I'm just not a super Christian. And I'm like, show me a super Christian. Well, you're one. Well, wait a minute. I'm called to be a pastor, but I'm not a super Christian. Last time I checked, I haven't seen a super Christian. Everybody that's a Christian is what? A follower of Christ. Uh, There's no super Christians. We serve a super God, but there's no super Christians. You see, he had this fixed mindset that said, well, I can't ever be as close to God as that person over there or this believer over here. I'm just going to come to church and go home and live my life. No, you've got to develop a growth mindset. This Jesus who calls you to come to him, he calls you to follow him every single day. And if you will do that, you'll be rooted, you'll be built up, established, and overflowing. All right, number two, if you want to avoid these detours and dead ends, number two, evaluate teachings based on the truth of God's word. Evaluate teachings based on the truth of God's word. Bottom line, I think of the Berean believers in Acts 17. In Acts 17, verse 11, uh, the Bible says, The people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica since they received the word with eagerness and they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So when I say to you, be a Berean believer or a Berean Christian, I'm not talking about the community of Berea, just up I-75. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the example of the Berean believers in Acts 17, verse 11. They were eager to hear the Word of God. And they didn't care who was standing up and delivering the Word of God. They just wanted to hear more of the Word of God. But, but, no matter who was preaching or teaching the Word of God, they took it in and then they examined the Scriptures to see if what the person was saying was biblical. There's a lot of times, and I hate to say this, it it hurts me to say this, but even on what's dubbed Christian television today, you have to take what is said And then go back to the Scriptures and make sure it's so. Make sure it's what God's Word says and not what some preacher says or celebrity pastor says or some guru says. Make sure that it squares with the Scriptures. Make sure it is biblical. And if you do, that right there will go a long way in protecting you from all of these detours and dead ends. So how do we avoid dangerous teachers? Develop a growth mindset as a follower of Jesus. Number two, evaluate teachings based on the truth of God's word. And number three, the last one, stay grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stay grounded in the gospel. Now, how do we do that? That part there in verses 9 through 15 that I read a while ago, Let me simply refer to it real quick. He says, the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ and you've been filled by Him. In other words, Jesus is God's Son. And He is, you know, He he claimed to be equal to God. He claimed to be God. And that's ultimately why He was rejected and crucified. Not because of anything He did wrong, but because of what He claimed and the people that didn't want to hear it, they couldn't accept it. But Jesus Christ proved that He is God. Why? Because on the third day, He rose from the dead. And one of these days, He will judge the world in righteousness when He comes. But until then, here's what we know. That the fullness of God dwells bodily in Christ, and you've been filled by Him. Now this this God that has risen from the dead has put His Spirit to live in you who believe. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, now lives in you. How about that? And you have everything you need in Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you have everything you need because you have Him and He is in your life. And then He uses all this terminology, you were circumcised in Him. And I don't want to go in depth, but circumcision is considered a medical procedure now. It was a practice in the Old Testament. It was a sign of the covenant. But when you read everything that the Bible says about circumcision, there is a circumcision now that applies to us. It's a circumcision of the heart. When you get saved, God changes your heart. He gives you a new want to. What you didn't want to do, you now want to do because God has come into your life. He's changed your heart. He's given you a new want to, and you want to follow Him. You want to love Him. You want to serve Him. And because of that, that's where the change is. And then you follow the Lord in believer's baptism. You're you're, you're going through the act that declares your faith, that Christ died and was buried and rose again, and now I am dying to my old life, and I've been raised to walk in newness of life and follow Jesus. And as a result, I am forgiven in Christ. Stay grounded in that. The good news never gets old. It never does. Every single day I get up and I thank God, thank you, Lord, for saving me. God's grace saved me, and God's grace gives me what I need each and every day to trust and follow Him. I always go back to, look what He done for me. Look at how He changed me. That story never gets old. So if you want to avoid the detours and the dead ends along the journey of spiritual maturity, develop a growth mindset, evaluate teaching based on God's Word, and stay grounded in the gospel Of Jesus Christ. With all that said this morning. My last question is this. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? You know the good news is. God so loved the world. That he sent his one and only son. And he lived the life. That you and I should have lived. And he died the death. That you and I should have died. Because we deserve it. And he took our place. And now he offers this free gift. Of eternal life which is knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. It affects you now, and it affects you later. It changes you now, and you become a different person. It affects you later, because now you've got a new destination. You're going to go to heaven and be with the Lord someday, forever and ever. Amen. But have you ever took that first step? Have you ever come to the place where you realize that I am a sinner, and I need to be saved? Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsomerset.com.